0: You bad. Hey, we say that a lot in Minnesota, but is it legal? No, it hasn't been. It hasn't been when it comes to sports, at least. But there's a change afoot. Should Minnesota legalize sports gambling? The, the Supreme Court today, the U.S. Supreme Court, said that an existing federal law limiting gambling to just the state of Nevada is illegal. And that's going to open it up for states to legalize it. I want to know what you think about that. We're going to open up the phones here a little bit later in the show. Not right now, but a little bit later in the show. I want your thoughts on this. 952-946-6205. I'm torn. I, I really am torn because, frankly, for a lot of folks, the horse is out of the barn on sports gambling. It's happening. And it's a question of, you know, should Minnesota be getting a chunk of it? And should it be regulated and all that kind of stuff? And part of me says anytime that you put more temptations in front of people who just can't handle addictions, that's a bad thing. So a little bit later in the show, we'll open up the phone lines, 952-946-6205. I want to hear what you say about that. And you, you've heard the stories about the cost of some prescription drugs shooting through the roof, you know, beyond the co- out-of-pocket cost, which is annoying for a lot of us. There's a human cost to this happening, eight people losing their lives. We're going to talk to a mother who lost her son after the price of insulin to control his diabetes rose, and he became too old to rely on her insurance. Um, but first, there's a lot going on in Washington today, and Tim Mayer from Talk Media News joins us now to uh, go over some of the big headlines that are happening there and around the world. Tim, welcome to this program.
1: Thanks, Mike. Appreciate being on the show. Yes, yes. Today, Washington, actually, in Israel, is probably the biggest story of the day. Um, This is something that several presidents have promised to do. Um, And President Trump has become, perhaps some people are saying, perhaps the first Jewish president, unquote, unquote, on that, because he has basically moved our embassy to Jerusalem. And it's a major deal. I mean, there was violence that broke out uh, Dozens of people were killed. Uh, Palestinians were killed uh, today in protest of this move. But at the same time, here in Washington, it's getting bipartisan support. Interesting enough, Chuck Schumer praised Donald Trump today, probably for the first time ever, for doing this move.
0: Yeah, the uh, the latest toll I'm seeing here is 52 people have been killed in the latest round of protests according to the, uh, the Palestinian officials, more than 2400 demonstrators wounded. Uh, I was watching the White House press briefing on this and they're just saying, well, this you know, this is propaganda by Palestine here. This is propaganda and, and it's meant to distract from what's happening in Israel. Uh, propaganda well, I think is the, not people I dying. Big, that's... Th- big
1: thing, Mike, is that the peace process all seems to be about dead right now, and that's the threat. But, you know, I think we're going to have to wait to see, really, if, if that is the case. I mean, a lot of people said that in reference, if we take a, what Trump said about North Korea's leader, that he basically, you know, put us behind decades and decades of being able to talk, and now look what's happening next month. So it's it's possibly, you know, um, that this thing may lead to peace, and it may not. But, I mean, this is such a huge move in terms of uh, uh, the friendship that uh, President Donald Trump has with Israel that right now there's a there's a plaque honoring Donald Trump for what he did in the parliament in, at Israel. Um, and it's, it's standing right next to um, uh Truman's, who was like the first one in 1948 to recognize the state.
0: By aligning so closely with Israel, and the U.S. always has been closely aligned with Israel, but doing it this close, does that kind of take away our the U.S.'s ability to broker peace in the Middle East between the Arabs and the Israelis?
1: A lot of people believe that is the case, that uh, we basically lost that negotiating um, tool to use right now. Uh, but this is something that you know. It's interesting that every you know every president for the last few you know last few presidents I should say promised to make this move, but it was a promise basically to get votes, um, and that's what they did. And I think what's interesting in this aspect is Donald Trump is doing this, uh, making a lot of, lot of promises during the campaign. He's living up to a lot of them that he's done. It's become stunning and shocking to people, particularly on the left. And even some people in his own party that that he's actually carrying through with many of the promises that he said he was going to do in the campaign. Um, and interesting enough, I, I had talked to an Iranian American just when the uh, when he when he threw away that Iran deal, and he was pumping his fist, and he just said, you know, this is this is what Iran, Iranian Iranian Americans really want. They want to throw throw up that deal, tear up that deal, and uh, and there's also this talk that. You know the Israel intelligence; they they had more confidence. Ms. Mr. Trump had Donald Trump had more confidence in Israel intelligence on the Iran deal than they had in the U.S. intelligence uh, in terms of what was going on in Iran. So that was interesting in itself. And I think you know a lot of people will say, "How can you trust that intelligence?" And you know, other people on the right and other independents would say, "The U.S. intelligence is the same intelligence that failed to predict 9/11." So there's a, there's kind of like a back and forth on that, and right now it's everybody's on high alert. Mike, a lot of embassies are high alert because of what's going on in the violence, and uh, Marines are out there right now protecting, you know, the embassy, and we'll see what happens in the next few days and coming weeks.
0: Yeah. We're speaking with Tim Mayer from Talk Media News. We're going through some of the bigger stories that are happening in Washington. One that's it's actually last week, but it's been people have been buzzing about it in Washington and here ever since. And this is a White House aide making a comment about Senator John McCain. It was a discussion about uh, you know the one of the votes coming up, and the, the discussion, the comment was basically, "Well, he's dying anyway; it doesn't matter," which is insensitive on a, a whole lot of uh, levels, But the fallout from this basically has seemed like the White House is more concerned about how that comment got out than what the comment actually was. Uh, Donald Trump here just tweeting here a few minutes ago that the so-called leaks coming out of the White House are a massive over-exaggeration put out by the fake news media and making, in order to make us look bad. Traders are, t- are excuse me, leader, leakers are traitors and cowards. We will find out who they are. So I find that disturbing well, on a lot of different levels. You, what's your thoughts?
1: My thoughts is that, you know, as a journalist, we love the leaks. You know, that's how we get a lot of great scoops, great stories. Uh, you know, Attorney General Sessions at one time considered basically, you know, bugging individuals, uh, administration officials, and, and to find out who's leaking information out. Uh, you know, so... I think it's a distraction when when the president comes out, say, in this particular case, total distraction to what this particular staffer said. The real question is, you know, I mean, it was a very insensitive remark, if if it's reportedly true. And apparently it is, because she has apologized to McCain's daughter. Mm -hmm. But she said she was going to apologize publicly. She hasn't. The question is really, you know, should she be terminated for that uh, remark? And I think in all cases, you know, if you're on radio mic and you say something and we've seen this with uh, radio hosts, you say something that's look insensitive and so forth, you're probably going to lose your job in uh, same in the private industry, uh, you probably would lose your job but i was unfortunate unfortunately, I had the same experience. A friend of mine, a colleague, a, a really great journalist who's was dying of brain cancer went to the went to one of the vice presidents of the company and asked if they wanted to go to his deathbed to say. Uh, you know, some last remarks, thank him for his work. And the, and the remark was very similar. The vice president told me and says, well, what good is it now? He's dying anyway. He's no good to us now. And that was such an insensitive remark. I reported it. It didn't go anywhere. The person, they weren't going to fire a vice president at that time within that company. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, um, I do believe it's an internal issue. Um, you know. You know, we would all like to know what... Uh, the ramifications of saying a remark would be. We don't know if she was punished or if she was suspended because they're not releasing that type of information to us.
0: I I think it's not so much that something is said. That stuff happens, but it's how it is handled and apparently, or, or the culture that enables it. And what we don't know is if, uh, and apparently it was Raj Shah, who was the deputy uh, uh, White House press secretary, was apparently in charge of this meeting, and he was the one answering the questions today. And he refused to talk about whether or not he said something or everybody thought it was inappropriate when she blurted, apparently blurted this out or said this, or if there was just acquiescence about everybody in the room. I think that's what people are concerned about, is whether this White House has that type of attitude that this is no big deal.
1: Yeah, and I think it's also, I think that is a concern, Mike, and I also think it's this control. That uh, the you know they have so much control of uh, the message that goes out, and people are scared for their jobs. They say the wrong thing, they're out the door the next day. But in this case, they certainly did say the wrong thing, and that person is still working uh, at, at the White House.
0: Now, speaking about what Donald Trump is tweeting, I want to know why the heck is he fighting to save jobs in China? He's been talking about saving jobs in the United States that are coming, that are that have been going to China. What's this all about?
1: Well, it's this telecom uh, company that the Pentagon has warned about because it's potential espionage and their devices and their phones, similar to a few years back when Lenovo, uh, the computers Lenovo, they had these back channels that they were concerned about and they weren't allowed on government property or, or used because they were made by the Chinese. Well, that was that was a big issue back then. This issue, more or less, is that. You know, when Trump did this, a couple of things, he, you know, they agreed to, to pay uh, some hefty fines uh, because of the sanctions with North Korea. But I think the underlining thing is, you know, we, we've seen some dips and coasters in the economy today. You know, you know, people looked at this as a potential opening with China and the trade and so forth. And there was some optimism there on the market. And I think that, again, Donald Trump, you know, manipulating the market. And I think he does that when he tweets, when he makes comments. I think they're deliberately aimed at um, trying to influence the market one way or the other.
0: Stepping back from this, maybe and looking at it diplomatically, uh, Trump really needs. Uh, does, does Trump need China here as he, you know, starts talking to North Korea? Is is that possibly any any part of the calculus here, or is that just like? nothing to do with this
1: well I, I i think the you know when china started to to do the sanctions north korea was coming to the table so he did need china because china was violating sanctions and i think that was that so he does need china at that point you know i mean because if china decides hey, we're not going to live up to these sanctions um north korea could walk away from the table
0: um, since we're kind of on the topic of Donald Trump's tweet, he just tweeted here that he's headed over to the uh, Walter Reed Medical Center to see Melania Trump, who has gone in for a, a kidney problem. Uh, apparently it's, it's a benign thing. It's not too it's something that we should be too worried about, but uh, everybody's all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but everybody's suddenly concerned about it.
1: Well, people are concerned because he's the most popular person in the White House. <laughs> I, I mean, she, her, her poll numbers continue to climb, and uh, you know, and while she's expected to have a full recovery and probably be released by the end of the week, uh, the president is heading toward that, uh, to the hospital. And I, I think those things are going to be okay. But there is this interesting dynamic where the first lady is just very popular out here in Washington, D.C. and nationwide, that she's, she's well-liked. I mean, she just got done with a, a fairly strong week previously when she uh, organized the state dinner, picked out every every single thing, and of course, uh, her wardrobe, you know, pretty much put, with that hat and so forth, pretty much let, uh, went kind of viral, in a sense, where people were commenting that pretty much Jackie Onassis type of, of character and, and fashion and so forth.
0: Hmm. And uh, I'm I'm looking at the calendar here and realizing that we are almost at the two year mark on the uh, anniversary of the Russian investigation. Uh, where is that? Because with everything else that's been crazy last week, we've kind of lost track of that. What what might be happening here soon or into the uh, this into 2018?
1: It's hard to believe. Thursday will be the second. Uh, Will mark the second year of Mueller's probe into the Russian collusion, and you know there has been a lot of progress. I mean, you look back and look at the number of uh, guilty pleas, indictments, and so forth. But we still don't have the smoking gun in terms of connecting it right to the present. there's It's not there yet. But what are we what are we looking forward to in, in this this next year? We're probably looking at a potential sit down with Mueller and Trump either. And if that doesn't happen, he, he is probably facing a grand jury subpoena. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's probably going to be the biggest story coming forward this year. I think there'll be more fallout from the Stormy Daniels aspect as well. So, and I think you, you, you also risk, Trump also risked the potential of his fixer turning on him so, that- and, and cutting a plea deal and, and to see where that goes.
0: See, that is the biggest piece here the last week is Michael Cohen. Uh, so much money, you know, people, pe- these large companies paying Michael Cohen millions of dollars basically to uh, have influence with Donald Trump. I mean, it. it is in my first reaction is I'm shocked. I'm shocked there's influence peddling going on in Washington, <laughs> but I'm. I am shocked that it is this brazen, it is this stupid, and that the White House has been dealing with it the way it has been by by not addressing it at all. That's I think that's what's shocking.
1: Well, I think that there's two things. This is strictly what lobbyists do. They they try to get you access. Um, and what he if he all he did was say went to somebody said look he contribute here here or there and pay me I'll I'll get you a sit down and with a uh, congressman senator vice president president. Talk about your, what concerns you, but on the other hand, if 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 he said, "Look, um, not only will I get you to sit down, but I'll guarantee you we'll get legislation passed, and the president will draft this and do this for you if you give money," then it's a different, then it's a wholly different ball game, and that's that's when you when it's alleged criminal activity if he did that. But as you as you know, I mean, lobbyists do this all the time in terms of getting people in front of senators and congressmen and the president and so forth. So that's I think stunning to a lot of people that don't understand how washington works and and that's why a lot of people can't stand Washington. You just consistently buy access to a congressman or senator and that's why a lot of people want to get a deal with uh you know redo the campaign finance laws and in terms of that so.
0: Yeah, lots of changes needed there. Not happening, though, in the near future. Tim, Tim Mayer from Talk Media News, I appreciate you checking in with us, and we'll be checking back with you to see if there's any progress on any of these issues here in the next week.
1: Well, good luck with the sports, uh, Mike. Uh, Maryland, Maryland legislator already acted and said we're not going to have it. So our ah. people out in Maryland go across state and do the gambling there, or they just do it online.
0: Okay. I don't
1: know what Minnesota okay. is going to do, so that's
0: going to be interesting. It, it is going to be interesting. Hey, Tim, thank you. And since, since you brought that up, let me uh, ask you, the listener, what you think about that. Uh, just quick recap in case you missed it. U.S. Supreme Court today said that a uh, case out of, uh, I think, New Jersey, uh, they ruled on it and said that sports betting is legal. I mean, you can't, well, I'll put it this way, you can't make it illegal. You can't say to other states, only Nevada can have sports gambling, which has been basically the way the federal law is shaken out. So the question is, should Minnesota do anything? Should Minnesota have legal sports gambling? 952-946-6205. And as I mentioned, I'm torn on this issue. I want to hear from you. So uh, give us a call, 952-946-6205. We'll be back to talk about that and some other things out of the legislature next year on the Mike McEntee Show.
2: Taste and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of Vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at VinaigretteMN.com.
3: What kind of a jackass would let an animal pick their insurance? Did you really think a lizard could save you money on car insurance? Would you let a duck pick your health policy? Insurance can be a zoo, but this is ridiculous. What you really need is an insurance agent that isn't looking out for the insurance companies. You need Cheryl at Array, an independent agent with 30 years experience looking for the best rate possible. Quit monkeying around and call 763-504-3067. That's 763-504-3067 for Cheryl at Array, representing you, not the insurance company.
0: Book your 60 minute complimentary consultation, including a 15 minute treatment today, for
3: beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hi, this is Matt from the Green Home Doctors. Did you know approximately 80% of our homes in our area are not sealed and insulated properly? A typical home has air leakage equivalent to that of a large open window. Green Home Doctors has treated thousands of homes with their special diagnostic equipment and can prescribe the appropriate remedy for your house. Stop air conditioning your whole neighborhood this summer. Call today and take advantage of rebates from Excel Energy and Center Point Energy. Visit greenhomedr.com.
4: M950, oh,
0: Mike McEntee, with you here this afternoon. U.S. Supreme Court today ruled in a case that's been sitting there for a while, saying that gambling—you can't just restrict it to, you know, Nevada. Or as uh, uh, Tom in White Bear Lake tells us, uh, people must be getting nervous that what happens in Vegas will no longer stay in Vegas, and that includes the gambling. Um, it could—it's possible that this could mean that we could have legalized gambling in Minnesota. There's already a bill that's been floated out there. Uh, Republican Representative Pat Garofalo has been uh, saying, hey, this ruling is coming. He's had his legislation kind of sitting out there for people. He had a news conference about it today. Governor Mark Dayton. Uh, Governor Mark Dayton is unsure if sports betting should be legalized, but he does have some thoughts on it.
1: Uh, I'm I'm from Minnesota getting a share of the profits that occur from from uh, what's already going on i don't know the expanding i again i'm not going to comment because i don't know what what extent this expands quote-unquote that uh, that would be concerning but the fact that it's going on uh billions of dollars
0: uh and the state of Minnesota minnesota's getting no benefits from that i would like to correct that for sure so what do you think 952-946-6205 thumbs up thumbs down on legalized sports gambling here in minnesota or you don't you think it's not that big of a deal? You think it, it it could lead to people who have gambling addictions just having one more additional outlet that could tempt them? Or is it just that, you know, you can do it on, on online all the time right now? It's not that big a deal. I'd like to hear what you hear, nine, five, hear what you think, I should say, 952-946-6205. Six, six, uh, reaction coming from, you know, the sports industry, the Major League Baseball, uh, Major League Baseball said that the decision will have profound effects on its operation. Uh, here's the quote uh, from the uh, yeah, from, from Major League Baseball. This is, this is not attributed to anybody in particular. It says, as each state considers whether to allow sports betting, we will continue to seek the proper protections for our sports in partnership with uh, professional sports. Uh, the most important priority is protecting the integrity of the games. Yeah, if you remember the Black Sox scandal, I mean Pete Rose, I mean Major League Baseball has been subject to this. And once you get gambling going like this, uh overseas in Europe, I mean there's all sorts of stuff. There's in-game gambling, in-game betting. They start betting on the next pitch, the next basket, the next whatever it might be. There's this stuff gets uh goes crazy. And it'd be very easy for a player to, you know, set Appear even appear to uh, have given in to the gamblers and done one thing or the other with the idea that maybe they're getting paid off. You know, it's not uh, you know, hey, hey, ump, you called it wrong. Hey, ump, you know who's paying you? You know who who are you betting on in this game? And that's that's a real problem because that is the integrity of the sport. Uh, you know, this 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 would also involve you know college sports. College sports, again, which, you know, there's there's gambling on all the time in Las Vegas. And even though it's, I think it's illegal for you to uh, to do that from here, but uh, maybe it's not if you do it on the internet, a lot of Minnesotans get involved in that. So 952-946-6205 if you got some thoughts on that. Other stuff at the, uh, the legislature here today. The uh, protester penalty bill uh, which is basically increasing the penalty for using the tactic that Black Lives Matter used, you know, blocking highways and roads to bring, you know, get your attention, bring apart across the point, their point. Uh, passed the Senate today 40 to 27, so there were some DFL votes on that as well. And it's on its way to Governor Dayton. Now, he's not sure if he's going to sign it or not. It depends, he says, about how expansive it is. He needs to take a look at it. And the governor and the Republicans, though the big argument right now is about his uh, governor Dayton's emergency school aid plan that he would like to have passed. It's 138 million dollars. It would it would cut taxes. Uh, I should say, a, a the Republicans want to pa- pass a plan that would cut taxes for 2.2 million Minnesotans, and these apparently are in odds with each other. The governor says he's not going to consider the Republican tax plan, unless they consider his emergency school aid plan. Well, the Republicans counter saying, "Ah, oh, this is too late. There's no time to hold hearings on it, and a special session would be needed. This is according to a Senate majority leader, Paul Gazelka. He says it's going to be next to impossible. Well, Governor Dayton's office uh, said, really? Here, hold my beer. Let me list you some things here that are, that have been happening First off, the governor has proposed this as on May 1st, a full 21 days before the end of the legislative session. Uh, That's three weeks to take action. And he proposed it the same day that the Republicans proposed their tax bill uh, that has already amazingly been given, uh, you know, hearings, conference committee headed to the final floor for a final vote. Uh, They cost Amazingly, these same almost the same amount of money, one hundred and thirty seven million for the school aid, one hundred and thirty six million for the uh, tax bill. And both have been publicly available for consideration for about the same amount of time. And uh, he, when it comes to bonding, the bonding bill that Republicans wanted are jamming through here, he, The governor proposed this whole emergency school aid nine days before the Republicans in the Senate proposed their eight, $825 million bonding bill, a bill that spends six times as much as the emergency school aid plan. And just in case you're keeping score... Two years ago, Republicans in the House of Representatives released their body bill just five days before the end of the legislative session. So it's a little hypocritical for the Republicans to say, oh no, we can't act on this. You, This is too late. This is too late. We know that the kids need this money, although we really don't want schools to have a lot of money because that goes to teachers and teachers, you know, support DFLers, you know, through their union. So that's why we're opposed to it, but we, we, we love kids. We just don't like the teachers. We don't like the unions. I mean, that's kind of what the Republicans are these days. But to claim that it's too late is really not paying attention to how things have worked recently. And I know I complain all the time about how things have worked. But when you have an emergency, that's pretty clear. When you start talking about, we're going to have to lay off teachers and cut, you know, cut. Uh, all sorts of activities and things at schools because we have this problem right now, that's pretty clear cut that you need to do something. And doing with due speed, as long as you've got you know some transparency in what you're doing, I think is what we expect as Minnesotans. Hey, we're going to take a break here, but when we get back, we're going to talk about drug prices and the price of insulin in particular and what it means in terms of life and death. That's all coming up here next on the Mike McInty Show.
4: I checked the parking lot before I left work. I looked in my backseat before I got in my car. On my way home, I watched in my rearview mirror to make sure I wasn't being followed. I did all the things I was supposed to do to keep myself from being sexually assaulted.
0: But she forgot. I was, her partner. I was her partner. I was her partner. I
4: was her partner. You have the right to say no to your partner. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition.
3: All right, everybody in the car. Let's go. What are we going to do first when we get there, Mom? Go for a hike? Sure, if you want. What I about can... canoeing? Can we go canoeing too? I don't see why. What about a bike ride? No! I want to fish. I've never been fishing. Honey, we can do it all. How long does it take to get to the forest? It's not. Is it going to be long? No, sweetie. I bet it takes forever. It's not that far. (sighs) Are we there yet? Yep, we're here. Already? No way. Come on, come on. It's a short drive from your neighborhood
4: to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Also, find fun activities to do like boating and biking or camping and hiking. Plus, much more. It's all right in your neighborhood. A public service announcement brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Take an ordinary putty knife and scrape off the old wax ring. Place the new wax ring over the flange. Then line up the bolts with the bowl and gently set in place making sure a proper seal is created with the flange and drain. Next. Um, Dad? Uh, yeah, sweetie.
0: Is that an old plumbing manual?
4: Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, honey.
0: We really need to get some new books.
4: Right, um, do, do you want me to stop?
3: Nah, I kind of want to know how it ends.
4: Okay, tighten the bolts, line up the flushing valve to the opening in the top of the bowl, and secure the tank with a screwdriver and
0: crescent wrench. (laughs) The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Mike McIntyre Show here on AM 950. The price of insulin, which is used to control diabetes, has gone up dramatically. In 10 years, it tripled. Yet the American Diabetes Association says there appears to be no reason for the increase. For many of us, drug price increases are annoying, but we can afford them. But for some, the prices can be deadly. Joining me to talk about the problem is Nicole Smith Holt, who lost her son because she he couldn't afford the all the insulin he needed to keep his diabetes in check. Uh, Nicole, welcome to the program.
4: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Good to have you on it. First, first off, my condolences about your son uh, Alec, uh, who who died here. Uh, uh, it was about a year ago. Tell, tell us what happened.
4: Okay. Um, yeah, and thank you. Um, well. He died June 27th of 2017, and he died of diabetic ketoacidosis, which happens when the body is not given the required insulin that's needed. And he did not have his insulin because he could not afford the $1,300 a month price tag once he aged out of my health care insurance. He turned 26 on May 20th, so on June 1st of 2017, he was dropped from my policy.
0: I mean that's that's stunning. Uh, I mean, you would think that there is something that a person could turn to when they're in that situation that would uh, would help them. You know, either an emergency, you know, supplier, uh, some sort of program that says, "Hey, we'll help pay for this," or there was nothing for for him to turn to.
4: There, there really isn't. um, You know, a lot of the insulin companies will will. Advertised on their website that they have patient assistance programs for people who are faced with uh, the issue of affordability of their insulin. But those programs are very difficult to navigate. They're very, very rare that you qualify for them. And most of the time, they're for people who are under the high deductible programs or they're in their donut hole for their Medicare. They do Eli Lilly, which was the manufacturer of Humalog, which was the type of insulin that Alec was on, does offer a charity program, but again, it's really difficult to qualify for that because it's based upon your income, and he made enough income that he didn't qualify for it, but he didn't make enough to be able to afford his insulin.
0: How how common is this to happen? Have you heard from other parents that have faced uh, the similar situations?
4: I hear from uh, approximately 10 people a day for the past month oh my of friends and family members that have experienced the same type of situations. It's very common. It's happening more and more as the price of insulin keeps skyrocketing. People are just struggling. Even when they have insurance, when they are in one of these high deductible plans, it's unaffordable.
0: You and I assume some of those other parents showed up at the Capitol this past weekend to draw attention to this. Tell us what happened there.
4: So we did a rally on Saturday. Um, I partnered with Right Care Alliance, which is a patient advocacy group that's fighting for affordable medications. And it's not just insulin that they're fighting for. They're fighting for every uh, medication out there that's not accessible because of the, the high price tags. We formed a rally at the state capitol on Saturday to bring attention to the increased rising price of insulin and, and the deaths that are resulting from it. Um, we talked about three of the most recent deaths that have occurred. Uh, in 2017, there were three, uh, three deaths, including my son, that we kind of focused on. But we did open it it up to people who were there observing and and rallying with us, and people came up and they shared their personal stories with the struggle that they're facing with or without insurance, The, the hurdles that insurance companies are placing upon people, the increased premiums of insurance, the high deductible plans, the... Um, insurance companies are restricting how much of your medication that you can receive, even though your doctor has prescribed a certain amount, the insurance company can limit that no matter what your doctor says. So people came up, they shared their stories and it was, it was a very emotional day, but we had such strong support from three of our our uh, elected officials, Amy Kobachar was there, uh, Representative Lori Halverson was there, and Aaron Murphy was there. Hmm.
0: And when we're talking about solutions, what kind of solutions are we talking about? We're we talking about federal uh-huh. solutions, state solutions. What can be done? I mean, obviously, you had uh, both uh, somebody who is in the U.S. Senate sitting there with you, as well as somebody who's running for governor and somebody who's in the Minnesota House of Representatives. Mm-hmm all of them, you know, people who could possibly do something about this, what are you hoping they could do?
4: Well, you know, ultimately we want federal changes. We want, uh, we would love to see, you know, negotiation with the list price of all medications. I would love to see any medication that's over 10 years old. There's a cap uh, put on that medication that. The pharma can't even raise the price above a certain percentage. You know, they are not able to make X amount of profit off of these older prescriptions, these older medications. Uh, insulin has been around for 95 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: For the past 20 years, there has not been a formulary change to the product. They have not, you know, improved it. They have not changed the formula. But yet in the past 20 years, the price has increased 1,200%. Why wow. is this still happening? You know, they haven't done anything to change it, they haven't improved it in any sort of way.
0: And, and I think we should point out that that's one that price increase is pretty much uh, in the United States. I mean, I was reading here in an, an, in an article, it's uh, in Canada, it's $35. If you go to Mexico, it's 50 yeah. Uh, but here, you know, the same same dose is two hundred eighty-five dollars. I mean, that's a big, you know, these big other countries big difference.
4: They have, you know, their government negotiates the price with the the manufacturer, the the pharmaceutical companies. Those prices are negotiated. We're one of the very few countries in the world that is not negotiating prices, and you can see what happens when those restrictions aren't put on big pharma they're allowed to price gouge. They're allowed that monopoly over our lives because they can turn around and charge whatever they would like, whatever the market will bear is what they'll charge for that prescription.
0: Now, I was reading here that uh, Amy Klobuchar is convinced that this issue, drug price issue is going to be part of the, this year's midterm elections. No one wants I to sure politicize. So. <laughs> yeah. A, a tragedy, but yeah, it. This, I mean, do you see this as a a partisan thing that's going on, or do you see it as, uh, you know, as something different? What if people are wanting to say, "Hey, I want to help you. I want to do something." in The elections on this, what should they be looking at?
4: They, you know, people should be writing to their their congressmen, their senators, their legislatures. They should be demanding um, changes. They should be demanding that um, our elected uh, our elected officials are fighting for our lives instead of sitting back and letting Big Pharma collect all this blood money.
0: The three people that you mentioned that were down there, uh, elected officials at the, at the rally, uh, coincidentally all were DFLers. Have you approached Republicans at all? And have you had any Republicans say, yeah, we want to help you on this? Or what's been... What's been the story there? Mm-hmm. Um,
4: basically, the, the 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 three that I have worked with have kind of basically fallen in my lap. I haven't, you know, been out looking for legislative or representative support at this point. Um, my advocacy started at a very, and it's still at a very grassroots level. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Murphy happened to be at a SCIU union meeting that my husband is a member of and it was shortly after the death of our son and it was being shared at this board meeting and she heard about it from there and she approached my family and wanted to, you know, talk to us and see how she could help us. She actually had recently just authored um, a bill in Alex's name and it's the Alex Smith Emergency Insulin Act it doesn't look like it's going to get voted on this session, but it uh, we did testify and it has been introduced. It just isn't going to go before a vote at this time.
0: Yeah, it's like that's unfortunately the fate of a lot of ideas and things at the legislature right now. We're speaking with uh, Nicole Smith Holt, who lost her son, Alec, because he couldn't afford all the insulin he needed to keep his diabetes in check. He died uh, a body a year ago. Uh, Nicole. President Donald Trump uh, had a big event last week where he said, we're going to lower drug prices. And during the campaign, he said that we're going to negotiate with the, uh, the pharmaceutical companies to lower those drug prices. I don't think that was part of what he proposed on Friday. Did you listen to what he proposed? And is, Does that hold you in? Does it, is there any help there?
4: Um, he's actually wanting to negotiate pricing for foreign countries. He wants them to pay more. He really didn't address the issue with the list pricing or, you know, making medications more affordable here at home. What I got out of the speech is that he's looking for these other countries to start paying their fair share, he said, which to me, in my eyes, is just going to bring more money to Big Pharma. I don't see how it's going to help us at all be able to afford our life-saving medications.
0: It is, um, I can't imagine being a parent and being stuck in the situation where your child dies because of something like this that is so avoidable, so much part of a systemic problem that we can fix in America. We are the richest country in the world, yet here we have people who need life-saving drugs that are, you know, any place else in the world are affordable, but are beyond the reach of those who really need them. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Oh, you know, to, I know. to describe this. I was this. just
4: having a, a, conversation today with um, a, a co-worker at my job who happens to be from East Africa, and he had heard about, you know, the rally, and he had heard about the death of my son. And He looked at me and he's like, "We're in America, and your son died because he wasn't able to afford." The, the insulin to keep him alive—the one thing that his body needed to function, to stay alive—and he couldn't afford it. He said, "Back home in East Africa, it's free." I
0: again, I'm I'm at a lot loss of words, and I'm not very often at a loss of words for to just this situation that we're in. Um, so. If people are concerned right now. Obviously, you just mentioned there is the uh, the bill that's named in your son's uh, memory that is uh, sitting in the Minnesota Legislature. They should contact their legislator about moving that thing along, whether it is this year or next year. But waiting, waiting, and we just we just talked about what the price is of waiting and something right. like this really can't wait. That's we one thing they can wait. do. Yeah, that's one thing. Is is there anything else that people can do? Any other suggestions other you know, than contacting them? I,
4: I yep. You know, I would really uh, strongly consider um, supporting one of the the three advocacy groups that I work for. Um, T One International is a global advocacy. They're fighting for affordable and accessible insulin or diabetic supplies to to every type one diabetic in the world, any every diabetic in the world. Right Care Alliance is a strong, um, strong advocacy group that's, again, fighting for, you know, affordable medications, all types of medications. And then I've recently started working with um, an organization called PFAM, um, and that's patients um, of faith for affordable medications. And, you know, these, if you join, if you raise your voice, if you use that power of your voice, You know, if we band together, we we can overcome this. We can do this. We can make changes.
0: We've been speaking with Nicole Smith-Holt. Nicole, I appreciate you standing up and speaking out. Um, The circumstances obviously are not (laughs) what I would wish upon anybody, but I always appreciate when people stand up and take action for what is right. And I wish you the best in everything ahead here.
4: Thank you very much.
0: And uh, let me mention those groups again, T1 International, Rate Care Alliance, and PFAM. Those are the groups that Nicole Smith-Holt says that uh, you should support if you think that something should be done about what we just talked about here, the problem of insulin being priced so high that the people who need it, who rely on it for their lives, can't afford it. Well, we're going to take a break here, folks. But when we get back, we'll get to some of your phone calls 952 946 6205. We have some calls uh, recorded from last week that people didn't get through on the lines that we want to play back as well. So we'll take a break and we'll be back here in a few minutes on The Mike McIntyre Show. Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. they built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and design jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com.
3: Hello, AM 950 listeners. I am Tabitha Montgomery, Executive Director of Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association, taking a moment to extend a very warm invitation to our first annual. Powderhorn Shark Tank competition where our stellar panel of jurors have already selected several dozen amazing ideas from local makers, hustlers, and entrepreneurs from across Minneapolis. So mark your calendars for Saturday, May 19th between 2.30 p.m. and 6 p.m. at Powderhorn Park Recreation Center where you can join the fun and cast your vote for your favorite ideas across our expanding, emerging, and startup up categories. You can also plan to enjoy the Shark Tank Marketplace, which will be stocked with many local businesses and also connect with a dozen or so business resources in our speed coaching zone if you're also working on your own big idea. See you on Saturday, May 19th.
2: Hello, this is Ralph Nader, host of the Ralph Nader Radio Hour. Join me and my guests every week when we dive deeply into the subjects that matter to you the most, but are rarely on the mass media. Every Sunday for early birds at 7 a.m. and Monday at 6 a.m. And if you're not an early bird, 9 p.m. on Monday, right here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota.
0: Welcome back to the Mike McIntyre Show here on AM nine fifty. We were just talking with Nicole Smith Holt, who lost her son. Her son died because he couldn't afford the insulin to keep him alive. Uh she mentioned uh, T1 International i wanted to mention that the you can find that at t1international.com pretty easy the number 1 t1international.com she said that is one of the organizations that you should support if you want to see changes like the uh, changes in uh, rules and regulations that we were that led to this. Uh, we had another caller just uh, said he went to pick up his meds for his 94-year-old mom, had to pay $670. So much of the problems that we are having these days in uh, health care has to do with just the cost of drugs. And um, 952-946-6205 is the number if you wanted to join in the conversation. Mark is on the line. He wants to talk about uh, Big Pharma. Hi, Mark.
2: You've a couple of things. Uh, first, though I just want to mention that uh, Donald Trump is acquiring $500 million from the Chinese government uh, to build Trump hotels and casinos in uh, Indonesia. So yep. uh, that addresses that concern. So um, Martin Luther King said, of all the forms of inequality, injustice in health care is the most shocking and humane. And he said that how many decades ago, Paul Wellstone was working on this issue, and we're still working on that issue. The issue is we have three branches of government, the financial, the petrochemical, and the pharmaceutical, and they all work for the de- de- Department of Defense. I was amazed at how that your previous guest was was able to put out uh, her feelings under her circumstances. Mm-hmm. But this is circumstances that are a matter of routine, and you pointed out Uh, Donald Trump's uh, speech he read about holding pharmaceutical companies and big pharma accountable was a complete and utter political lie, Um, just like everything. And you can look at that because after he gave that speech, the stock valuations of the pharmaceutical companies spiked. And so you look at cause and effect. They weren't afraid of nothing. They know what they were getting, and that speech was all about in- inflammatory hyperbole designed to fool the American people once again. And again, we have to look at this with an adult conversation, because the very same thing happened with Obamacare. And what happened to the uh, stock valuations of the big insurance companies like United Healthcare On the day that, you, that uh, the uh, Affordable Health Care Act went into play, the stock value of United Healthcare was trading at $32 a share. Um, within months, it was exceeding $200 a share. So, if you want to know where the money goes, follow the money. Look at, you know, that, who benefits. Look at, at at who gets the proceeds.
0: Yep, that is, that is the way to do it. You follow the money, and you figure out uh, exactly what what is happening with that. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for the phone call. Um, one nine five two nine four six six two zero five. if you wanted to join in the conversation. I wanted to mention something, though, because we announced this uh, just last week. I want to let you know that uh, the uptake, which I am the executive director for, it, which covers the legislature, which brings you all a lot of the stuff that uh, you hear here every day on the program, is offering some classes in June to help you or your organization if you're interested in learning how to live stream video like the uptake does. Nobody does more live coverage of the legislature than the uptake does. We do that uh, every day. And so if you want to find out how to do that and how to get an audience for that, uh, we've got some classes coming up in June. It's over at theuptake.org slash classes. We'll take you to that. But we're also doing some other classes that I'm going to be teaching the live video class, but we're also doing some other classes. We'll be teaching audio documentary. Uh, We'll be doing uh, There We'll be using. Writing, it's called Placing Your Story, Capture a Sense of Place in Your Writing. And then we have uh, a great photographer who is going to be teaching how to use your camera, the best way of, you know, it's uh, Wing Huey. We'll be showing photos from his projects, demonstrating how to just do more and have an impact. So that's over at The Uptake, theuptake.org slash classes sign up. we got limited enrollment, but I, I want to let you know about that uh, so you have a chance to do that. I'm Mike McEntee. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. Mom, thank you for listening. Norman Goldman is next.